Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand that finances can be confusing, but you don't have to face it alone and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and your host for the next 30 minutes as we begin to tackle the new Secure Act 2.0. Now, if you've been with me for a while, you know that in 2019, when President Trump signed this into law, we went over it probably at nauseum, right? We really dove into it. But on December 29th, 2022, the current administration, well, they made some revisions to it. And I thought, why don't we go back, look at some of the provisions in the original one and how has it changed? And you might say, why? Why even bother? Well, it has to do with your retirement, has to do with money. And I think it's some really good points that we need to be aware of because we can add more to our employment plans. We can change things from pre-tax to Roth. There's a lot of opportunities that are available. And I wanna make sure if they're right for you, that you can take an advantage with them, whether it's through me here at Crystal Clear Finances or whether it's with your financial advisor. Regardless, if it works for you, I want to make sure you know this information. So let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about 2019, just two bullet points there. And one of them that was is that the required minimum distribution, which has been at 70 and a half forever, was changed to age 72. Now, let me slow down and remind everyone that a required minimum distribution, which was technically the April following the year you turned 70 and a half, is the amount of money that you are forced to take from your IRA, from your qualified plan, whether you need it or not. You're forced to take it even if the market's down and you have to sell at a loss. And the way that it worked was that if you didn't take that money, you had a 50% penalty. Now that's a huge deal. I know that it got to the point that people were waiting till the end of the year, then they were contacting their advisor and saying, I got to take my required minimum distribution. The advisor would try to put that submission in. And because the demand for people trying to pull their required minimum distribution out was so high, people missed the deadline, even though they were trying to make it. Now, that can be pretty scary when you know you have a 50% penalty staring you in the face. So when President Trump signed that law, he said, okay, wait a minute, this 70 and a half or the April following the year you turned 70 and a half, okay, enough of this nonsense. We're going to make it where at age 72, you're required to take your required minimum distribution. Well, the new laws, as you're going to see in a moment, have changed that yet again. Now, the other area that when in 2019, when they first came out with the SECURE Act, not SECURE Act 2.0, but that one was it eliminated the stretch IRA. So before we could have an IRA and we could start taking distributions out of it. And then depending on how large our IRA was, we would know that when we passed and if we left it to a child, an adult child, they could take it out over their lifetime and stretch that IRA out for as long as the child was alive. Well, 
I don't know why, but the government had a problem with that, that it was taking so long to get their taxes. So what they did is they said, yeah, we are not going to allow that to keep going. And so when President Trump signed that in there, he said 10 years, that's all you get. 10 years from the time the IRA owner passes and you receive it as the beneficiary, you've got 10 years to deplete that fund. Now, that can be kind of tricky because if you think about it, when does a parent usually pass? Well, usually 70s, 80s, right? And where does that usually make the adult children? Okay, in their 50s, their 60s, depending on when mom and dad got married and when they had kids which is probably right around the peak earning years of that adult child. So now that adult child, instead of being able to take tiny little pieces over the course of their lifetime, is forced to take it in a 10-year period. Well, in the beginning, they said, well, you can wait and then in year number 10, take it all in one lump sum and just pay high taxes just in that one year. Yeah, but that got changed. So now it literally is every year for 10 years, even if you're in your highest earning years, you have to begin depleting that fund. So that's where it was when President Trump left it. And then in 2022, when the current administration went ahead and signed the law, they said, we're going to revise that. And that's what I want to spend the rest of our program going over today is because we need to know this Secure Act 2.0 literally builds on what was done before. And here's one of the ways, and I alluded to it before, this required minimum distribution is now no longer 72 it is age 73. Now, if you have a piece of paper, I want you to write this down. If, or maybe you can just remember it off the top of your head, but age 73, if you were born between 1951 and 1959, your age for the required minimum distribution will be age 73. Now think about this. Those who were born in the 1960s or later their required minimum distribution age is 75. So if you're saying, I I'm not sure, am I supposed to take it? I'm 72 or I'm not sure when I'm supposed to take it. Look at those years between 1951 and 1959. If you're 73 and above, you got to take it. If you were born in 1960, well, then you can wait till age 75. So those are some big changes that are starting to occur with the required minimum distributions. Now, another area when we're thinking about this, because remember, now I want to talk about the penalties if you don't do this. Remember how I said a moment ago that the penalties were 50%, even if you had really tried to do it. Well, now what they've said is the penalties are being lowered to 25%. Now, that makes me breathe a sigh of relief because I know, okay, at least the penalties are coming down because I know the amount of IRS agents is going up. So the chances of them being able to look, to find it, you know, that could be increasing. So when I'm looking at this that, okay, there's a 25% penalty, there's also, if you find out oops, my bad, I forgot to do it. There is a limited correction time that you're allowed to use where they'll only charge you 10%. Now, you might be thinking of this, Crystal, you're throwing around numbers, 50% penalty, 25% penalty, 10% penalty. Ah! 
All right, this is where having a certified financial planner, having a qualified financial advisor should be coming in. Because I know come October, not November or December, because that's too close to the deadline with everybody trying to get their money out of the market. In October is usually when we start calling our clients and say, hey, we got to send you money. Do you want us to send it? What banking account do you want us to get it from? And here's another thing. This is just a little rabbit hole I want to go down. When we know we have clients that have required minimum distributions, we usually will look at where they are and decide, do we need to make the sell at the beginning of the year so that it is ready all year long so it's not going to fluctuate if it's a down market year? You know, there's planning you can do with your financial advisor when it comes to required minimum distributions. I have some clients that say, Crystal, in fact, I have a lot of clients that say, I don't need my required minimum distribution. And we're able to set it up that that required minimum distribution actually pays for their life insurance policy, which now allows their children to have tax-free inheritance, and they're not forced to use it up in 10 years. So there's a lot of things when the government comes out and says, okay, here's what the new laws are. Here's where the new places that we want you to jump through this hoop. Sit down with your financial advisor and say, okay, if I legally have to jump through that hoop, how do I make this work in the advantage of me and my household? That's what we want to look at. Now, another area when it comes to required minimum distributions, and I know we're, we're kind of hanging out on that spot, but this is a big deal. Previously, when you had a Roth IRA inside a uh, retirement plan, like a 401k Roth, you would still have to do your required minimum distribution. Well, this is confusing because Roth outside the plan doesn't have one, but Roth inside the plan is... Thankfully, they finally said, okay, we're not going to do a required minimum distribution on an employee-sponsored plan Roth component. So just so that you can understand that. And of course, if you have questions on this, please feel free. Give us a call at 518-433-7181 and say, hey, Crystal, these new Secure Act laws, I need to know about them. In fact, we did a seminar last month in February where we did a full webinar where we went over each component. We had 15 key points. Now, there were more than 15, obviously, in this law. They tend to be very big. Um, but key components that I knew were going to affect our clients. So what I'd like to do, I'm going to take a quick 30-second break. When we come back, I really want to talk a bit about the IRAs, how they're working the catch-up provisions, what's happening with the employer contributions for the Roth. I want to talk a little bit about 529 plans. If you know me, you know I really haven't cared for them in the past because there's other ways we can save for college. But they've put some uh, interesting caveats on it that I believe you should know. And then if we have time, maybe we'll even get to talk about how simples and seps are affected by this. But first, let's take a quick 30-second break, and then we'll be back with more Crystal Clear Finances.
Are you making the right decisions when it comes to Social Security? Should you apply at age 62, full retirement age, or wait until age 70 so you can receive the delayed retirement credits? Without proper guidance, it is hard to know which choice is right for you. Join Crystal Langdon and Social Security expert Bill Rinaldi for a webinar on Wednesday, March 15th at 5.30. Learn about eligibility, spousal benefits, how much can you earn while collecting Social Security, and if you are required to pay taxes on your benefits after you reach full retirement age. Call 518-433-7181 to register today. And we're back with more crystal clear finances. And today we're talking about the SECURE Act 2.0. We want to talk about the revisions that were made to this and how it could impact you. And I would encourage you to sit down with your financial advisor, ask them about the different changes in this law and what are the advantages it can play in your life and how you should be responding, not reacting, but how you should be responding to it. Now, before the break, we had spent a lot of time talking about required minimum distributions, how they've changed the age if you're 73 or if you're going to take it at age 75 and how to know which one you take. And again, if you were born between the years 1951 to 1959, then guess what? Your required minimum distribution starts at age 73. But for those of you who are born 1960 and afterwards, well, then we know that you don't have to take your required minimum distribution till age 75. My encouragement is sit down with your advisor. If you're starting to take your required minimum distribution, you should already be planning with them. Where is that money coming from? Is it sitting in cash or a conservative investment inside your IRA so there's no big huge drops hopefully uh, if you're pulling it from an equity account instead so there should be some talk some discussion in relation to this I know that at our office here at Crystal Clear Finances we're talking with our clients so I want to move forward and talk a little bit about IRAs and the IRA catch-up provision now you have employees right? You're going to work, you've got a retirement plan. And when you're over that magic age of 50, then you're allowed to do what's called catch-up provisions. And for 2023, if you have a 401k that you're involved in, you actually now, instead of 5,000, you can put 7,500 into your 401k. And if you have a 403b, 7,500. If you have a simple it's going to be 3500 Now, a lot of times people use this. Why? Because they're done getting their kids through college and they're spending the last 15 years from 50 to 65 in the 15-year dash. And they are trying to squirrel away as much money as possible. So that's where this catch-up provision actually makes a difference. Now, starting in 2025, so they've raised it for this year, right? 2023. Starting in 2025, if you are between the ages or of 60 to 63, then they will give you the greater of $10,000 that you can start putting in or 150% of the regular catch-up provision. So we'll have to see which one's there. But the point of this, again, is as you sit down with the advisor, you can say, okay, what's my catch-up provision? This year, 7,500. Next year, okay, 7,500. Now 2025, what can I do? These typically are like moving targets and we wanna make sure that you're aware of it so that you're positioning it properly. Now, Employer contributions. So let's slow down and talk about this. 
many times people will say, Crystal, I've got a 401k and I don't know whether to put money in it. And if you've listened to me, yes, for the past 24 years plus, you know that I have thought process when it comes to a 401k or a 403b. Well, think about it. I mean, basically, the scenario is this. You uh, you come to your employer and you say, hey, listen, I need to borrow some money from you and I want to buy this Corvette. And it's going to be a great Corvette, but I just don't have the money for it right now. How about I borrow the money from you? And your employer says, sure, you can borrow the money from me. And you say, well, when do I have to pay it back? And the employer says, Don't even worry about it. It's years from now. You say, well, what would be the interest rate I'd have to pay it back on? And your employer says, hey, don't worry about it. How about we do this? Have I got a deal for you? How about when it's time for you to pay me back? At that time, well, I probably want a Corvette. And actually, everybody in my family wants a Corvette at that time. So here's what we'll do. I'll figure out what interest rate I need to put on the money you borrowed from me. And then I'll tell you that interest rate so I can get everything done that I need. And then you can pay me back then. Deal? Well, if you said, yes, I got a bridge for you, because why would you do that? Most people say, Chris, I would never do that. But think about your 401k. You literally are telling the government, hey, listen, give me a break on my taxes now. I don't want to pay taxes on it now. But sometime in the future, 73, 75, when I have to take my money out, you tell me what the tax rate is in that time, and I will, by law, have to pay it. Doesn't that sound like the very same scenario that I just talked? You want to break now, but you're willing to put yourself at their mercy so they can decide what the interest rate is. Now, think about this. People will say, and we've been trained this way, so I'm cutting some slack here. We have been trained to say, hey, listen, when you're in retirement, you're not going to need as much to live on. Your retirement costs will be low. You'll be in a lower tax bracket. Have you brought milk bread, and eggs lately? How much do we need to have on our retirement income just to buy the groceries? So the thought process of, oh, well, I can get by in 50,000. Really? So that's one thought process that I would challenge of, are you really going to be in a low tax bracket when you're in retirement? Second thought process is, why would you want to be in a low tax bracket in retirement? I love helping my clients be able to retire at the same lifestyle they have now adjusted for inflation, if not better. So why are we trying to make the years when we finally don't have to go to work, the years when we don't have any money to go do anything? When we set ourselves up in a 401k, we literally are saying, I'll pay the taxes later, thinking that we're going to get some big tax deduction. And the government says, keep it coming. You just keep putting that money in there because they know you are not only growing your 401k for your retirement, but you are also growing your 401k for their retirement. Okay, I'm going to get off my band, my soapbox, I guess, bandwagon soapbox, whatever I'm on, I'll just keep moving forward. So when people come to me, this is where I started before I went down my rabbit trail, and they say, Crystal, Should I do the 401k? There is one thing that I will say. I will say, do you have a match? 
And the reason why I'm asking that is, if you're having to put in $10,000, not having, you're putting in $10,000, and they're going to put in $10,000, when it comes time for tax, well, technically, we're going to pay the tax out of the employer's free money. That's a different scenario. Now I'm willing to have a conversation. Still not my favorite route. Still want to see you maxing out your Roth. Still want you to build a nice big tax-free life insurance policy. Still want you to have guaranteed income through another vehicle. And when I've exhausted all those, if I know you have a match at a 401k, we're probably going to head down that path. But understanding that employer match, that's so important. Now, what did they do to the employer match? Well, beginning in 2023, which would be this year, the catch-up contributions for a 401k, 403b, and the 457, which is a government plan, right, if you're working for the government. But any of these catch-up contributions, if your wage, your salary, your income exceeds $145,000, the employer must make it on a Roth contribution. Okay, so let, let, let's just dissect this. Because a lot of times, people thought, well, since I'm making a Roth contribution through my 401k Roth, well, my employer's match is doing the same thing. That wasn't what was happening. What was happening is you were making your Roth, you were paying your taxes now, you weren't taking any Corvette, you're gonna buy your own, thank you very much, with your money. You made your contribution, but the employer's money, that went into the pre-tax and that was going to get taxed at whatever rate they needed in the future. Well, now the government says if you're making more than 145000 and there is an employer match, then the employer must they don't get a choice, must put it into a Roth. So let's think, let's think the, the, the implications of this. So if the employer's putting it in the Roth, who paid the tax on it? So it's gonna be that you have that included to your salary and so you're gonna pay taxes on it now, so just be aware of that. The advantage of it though is, okay, once it goes into the Roth, when it's time for retirement and you go to pull it out, then it should be tax-free. So think this through. If you have a Roth 401k and you have a Roth employer match because you're over 145,000, then you'll pay taxes on it now. Okay, no harm, no foul. We at least know what the taxes are now and you're working and you're strong and you have a job as opposed to in the future when you're tired and weak and no job. So then now at retirement, you'll be able to have that Roth income, which should be tax-free. Make sense? So a lot of different changes. So we just got to figure out which are the good changes that they made, which are the ones that help them, which are the ones that help you. Now, one caveat that on this Roth to Roth, like, oh, great, Crystal, I've got a Roth 401k going out tomorrow. I'm calling my HR department. I'm getting myself signed up. I am having all of that and the full match. Okay, breathe. Now, first, let's talk to your HR department, find out what are your fund choices. Not fun like yippee fun, but fund. Like what are the investments that you can choose? And sit down again with your advisor and say, okay, what can I choose from this that is right for me? Because I have seen some really good plans where you're like, oh my word, pick this. You know, they are positioning themselves in great funds within their 401k. I've seen some that I'm like, I don't care that you're giving me free money. 
So we can both lose it together? It's not good funds that you're giving me a choice of. So you want to have wisdom with that. So remember, can I contribute? How will I be taxed? What am I investing in? All of that rolled up into the fact that they now have to contribute to your Roth. It's mandatory that if they're making, if you're making 145,000, that's where they put it. All right, we still have enough time, I can see, for one more point. And this one, all right, 529 plans. We all know what 529 plans are, right? We put money into it. We can't really control the investments that are inside it. It grows so our kids can go to college. When we apply for FAFSA, FAFSA says, you did so awesome. You saved that. I'm so proud of you. Now, you're going to put this into the calculation, and you can spend that first, which you would say, well, Crystal, that's what it's for. However, that also blocks you from getting any grants. And so the people who didn't create the 529 plan who are also applying for the grants, they somehow get to the top of the line, though this is where angels fear to tread. Who knows if they'll even be college loans, if they're going to get wiped out, the whole kit and caboodle. So let's just not go down that rabbit hole. But the 529 plan, they're doing something different. And I'm going to go slow. And I apologize for those of you who are watching me on YouTube. I am going to read this because we want to make sure it's technically correct. So beginning in 2024, next year, beneficiaries of a 529 college savings account will be able to make rollovers from the 529 plan to their Roth IRA without tax or penalty. So hold the presses. So remember what would happen is we'd put the money in it. If you didn't spend all your 529 plan and you just wanted to take it because it's time for that Corvette, there would be a penalty and there would be tax. Well, now they're saying, then they said, well, what you could do is you could change the beneficiary on it. So instead of Sally didn't need it all for college, Joe needs it for college. And you could change it and everything was fine. Keep the money in the family. Big proponent of that, but keep the money in the family. But now what they're saying is you don't even have to keep it in a 529. The 529 plan can be based on criteria, of course, there's always a criteria, but that can be moved to a Roth. So let's go through this. This provides an option for 529 accounts that have a balance after the, all their education has been paid for. Here's your caveats. The 529 account must have been open for at least, or it says not at least, it says more than 15 years. So tomorrow we can't open one and think in three years, we're going to roll it over to a Roth because Susie didn't use it. So, but if you have one and you're like, all right, so I've got an account, it's 529 plan for my child. It is now more than 15 years old and we're not going to use it all for college. All right, let's take a look and see what that could do because that could be rolled over to a Roth and then sit and grow tax-free. But wait, there's just a few more. Now, one of the things is this cannot exceed $35,000. So I was like getting all excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, if you put $250,000 in this and then they didn't use it or they got scholarships, now we don't have to worry about it. Now this money can go over to a Roth. God is so good. God is still good. That ain't happening. So we need to have 35,000 you can move over there. And hey, let's take the 35,000. 
but that just makes me go back to the way we do financial planning at Crystal Clear Finances. When we do the planning and we look at this, is there a better way to begin saving for children's retirement, a better way that we can be putting money that would grow tax-free? Do I believe in Roths? Absolutely, as long as they have good funds within them and in their part of the plan, I see them as a key component. But I wanna make sure that we don't get hung up thinking 529 plans are the only way to go for our kids when we see that there are other options. But if you have a 529 plan and you've had it for more than 15 years and you didn't spend it all for the kids for college, instead of saying, well, I'm gonna change the beneficiary and make it one of the other kids, it could be rolled over and become a Roth. And maybe, maybe by rolling that over to the Roth, that might help for the future there. And it might actually provide more financial aid for the next child that's coming up that maybe didn't have the 529 plan. So a lot of things to think through. As I'm looking at this list here, you know, I could go through, there's, there's talk about how there's gonna be matches. If you put money towards a qualified education expense, what your employer can do to match it. There's a lot of good, interesting information. So I'm gonna encourage you, reach out to our office at 518-433-7181 and schedule a free initial consultation. I've got the list right here. We can walk through and see what applies to you because that's part of financial planning. Well, we are at the end of our time together. Again, I wanna encourage you, give our office a call, 518-433-7181, and then join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you, and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex, Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and Alpha Star are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.